0: Good morning. It's so good to be with you. Some of you are applauding loudly, some of you are wondering who I am. So let me introduce myself. My name's Hilson. I was born in South Africa, and I arrived in London in 2001 on my honeymoon. My wife came along on that trip as well, um, in case you're wondering, <laughs> just how we roll. And um, we settled in a one bedroom flat in North London the idea of to travel and just enjoy our new marriage. But it didn't work out quite that way. Um, Sometime in in that early season, uh, we ran out of cash. Middle of the month, and there's just nothing. And I don't know if you've been in that situation, but it kind of feels like your tiny snow globe of a world is being shaken and flipped upside down. And then it becomes hard to think straight even harder to sleep. So we prayed. We prayed, and I got this thought that we should check my wife's bank account. So she did, and there, in the middle of the month, was a sum of money that she would expect to find at the end of the month from her teaching job. So she went back to school the next day and asked if anybody knew what was happening, and it was explained to her that there'd been an error, she had been paid early, sorry for the inconvenience. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> amazing, right? No, 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 here's the amazing part. She had been paid early, along with every teacher in her school, and every teacher in every school in the entire borough. So now, it looked to me as if I had a God who was able to hold our world just right so that everything landed in place so that we are looked after and he is shown to be the mighty God that he is. So today, I want to speak to you about that God. And the reason is because Christmas is joyful, it's fun, it's exciting, but it can be chaotic. I've spoken to people this week who've gone through some things and it's tough amidst the joy. And I I suspect there are some of us here today who who sang that last song, God's goodness is running after me. And you sang it, but deep down inside you're shouting out, God, do you see what I'm going through here? Do you see the Middle East? Could you pick up the pace and just run a little bit faster? (laughs) Lord, why is it That if you're doing all the running, why is it that I'm the one that's exhausted all the time just trying to think about Christmas, right? So if that's you or someone you know, Luke chapter 2 is going to help us out. Let's read Luke chapter 2 from verses 1 to 7, and we'll try to make sense of the chaos at Christmas and try to find reasons for hope. See if you can spot three reasons in this reading to have hope in this season. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. because there was no guest room available for them. Okay, let's sit up right, focus, here comes the history. 44 years before Jesus was born, Julius Caesar rises to power within the Roman Empire. He concentrates all political power on himself, but before he can really, really have this position, he needs to meet one last criteria, and that is to have an heir. You must have a son who can take over from you one day, but he doesn't have a son. So he follows tradition, and he adopts his closest male relative, a boy named Octavius. Caesar doesn't last a year in the role before he's executed, assassinated, and a while after that, he is officially recognized as a god within the Roman Empire. So now it gets interesting. The adopted boy, Octavius, inherits the entire Roman Empire. Because of his dad, he is now the son of a god, and he gets a new name. Have you guessed it? Caesar Octavius, uh, Caesar Augustus. And so Luke says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issues a decree that his censors should be taken of the entire Roman world. And verse three, what do we see happen? Everyone gets up and obeys. This man has power, he has authority, he has sovereignty, we cannot deny that. But I put it to you that he does not have supreme sovereignty. And the reason is because about 700 years before he's even born, God declares that his son will be born in Bethlehem. But now Mary is pregnant all the way over in Nazareth, 70, 80, maybe 90 miles out of Bethlehem. So what does God do? He grabs hold of the Roman Empire and he so holds it that Joseph and Mary end up in Bethlehem, right where they need to be. That is God's sovereignty. The only issue is, the text doesn't say that, does it? It says Caesar Augustus issued the decree. So you have to look elsewhere for our reasons to believe this. And that is found in verses like Proverbs 21, verse 1, which says that, The heart of a king is like streams of water in the hands of the Lord. He directs it wherever he chooses. So Augustus is making a decision, but it's God's will that is being fulfilled. That is sovereignty. Job 42, uh, verse 2, gives a lovely um, definition of God's sovereignty. After everything that Job has been through, He's lost his family, they're all dead. He's lost his income, all his wealth. He's lost his health. His friends have abandoned him. And at that point, he looks up to God and he says, I know you can do anything. No plan of yours can be opposed successfully. God's sovereignty means that he can do anything and no one can stop him. Charles Spurgeon says um, that we will go through trials, and we, we know that. There will be trials in our lives. He says, when we go through trials, God's sovereignty is the pillow on which we lay our heads. What he's saying is that we might have all these questions about why would God let Mary walk or travel all the way to Bethlehem, while she's pregnant? Why would God not give them a room in a lovely guest house? Why would God not give them a proper crib? We might have all these questions and we, we should look at that and, and explain that. But, a, but I don't think Joseph and Mary were too concerned about that. It seems that in that stable, they were aware of the sovereignty of God and they just slept peacefully on that pillow. God's sovereignty. Is what gives us hope in the middle of chaos because he is sovereign enough to hold our world just right so that everything lands exactly where it needs to be. Verse 1, and th- one to 3 teaches us about God's sovereignty. Verses um, 4 to 5 gives us an insight into who we are in the middle of chaos. Um, it says that, David belonged to the house and line, Joseph belonged to the house and line of David. David is the king of Israel, and Joseph is part of that family tree. And I want to tell you a story about um, adoption now. It's something that's close to my heart. A teacher gets up um, in front of his class. He takes a sip of water and he asks him a question. He says, class, who knows what adoption means? And the little girl puts up her hand and says, I do. I know all about adoption because I have been adopted. She says, please tell us. So she says, adoption means that I grew in my mommy's heart instead of her tummy. I love that. I hope it's a true story, because um, it's so powerful. I, I read it on the internet, so it must be facts, right? <laughs> it's so powerful because it shows that in the absence of a biological connection, adoption still creates an amazing bond between people. Think about it. Julius Caesar adopts Octavius Caesar Augustus, He dies, and Augustus inherits the entire Roman Empire. Joseph marries Mary, and he technically adopts Jesus as his son. He wouldn't have used that language, but we understand the concept. And in Luke 6, we see Jesus being called the son of Joseph. They are connected. Jesus is brought into the family tree of King David. And in Luke 1, 32, it says he inherits that kingdom. Adoption is powerful. And here's the, here's the best one. Galatians 4, verse 5. God sent Jesus to purchase our freedom so that we could be called His adopted sons. Now, give me a minute. I've used a translation that uh, needs explanation. We are all his adopted sons. Imagine Paul speaking to a culture where girls knew that the boys inherited everything. They got the car, the house, and Mum's entire Tupperware collection. (laughs) They get everything. And when Paul says, hey, We are now all God's adopted sons the question is from the girls am I a son as well and Paul would say yes am I the kind of son that then inherits yes am I the kind of son that inherits everything from the father and the answer is yes we all Inherits everything of who God is, we all have access to all the good things that he has for us. My wife and I, um, very long ago, many years ago, started an adoption process. And that meant meeting with a social worker once a week. And she would come with a page full of questions and we would have to provide answers. And it's a bit like a game show, really, if you think about it. If we gave the wrong answers, we go home empty-handed. But if we give the right answers, we win first prize, she pulls a baby out of a bag, and we adopt it. (laughs) The stakes are high. And it's one, and I I love social workers. They've they've put our family together. They've helped us adopt um, twice. But on this occasion, (laughs) we were asked a question, will you include your adopted child in your will. And I thought to myself, what a dumb, taxpayer-paid time waste of money this is. I mean, why would we take on this emotional rollercoaster of a ride of adoption process only to get a child and say, hey, welcome to the family. The good news is you get our last name. The bad news is, that's all you get. <laughs> Who would do that? But Remember, this is a game show, so you've got to answer properly. That's a very interesting question. We haven't discussed that yet, but what a good question. Thank you for asking. I think what we do know is that um, our We will be giving this child everything we have, and if it so happens that at the end of our lives there's anything left, they're more than welcome to it. (laughs) I am just an earthly father, and my love and my giving too often hits the ceiling. How much more would your Father in heaven give to you his adopted son, which includes everyone? sons and daughters. Verses one to three teaches us that God is sovereign. There's nothing that he cannot do. Verses four to five teaches us that we are his adopted children and we have access to all of who he is and all that he has to offer us. Verses six to seven um, there's a part that says, while they were there, the time came and the baby was born. So think about that. While they were there, exhausted from their long journey, and while they were there, frustrated from going door to door, knocking, knocking, asking while they were there in the barn with animals, and while they were there thinking about the wedding celebration they could have had, and while they were there, there was no crib for their first son. While they were there without, probably without Mary's mother to help her through that. And yet while they were there, Jesus arrives, the lie in your chaotic moment is going to be that you should clean up your stable, get the smell of your clothes, sanitize your hands, and then Jesus will jump into your life. The truth is, Romans 5 8, while we were sinners, Jesus died for us. He's not gonna wait. While you are in your situation, you can expect him to arrive. Once a year, I take my wife to my favorite restaurant for her birthday. Um, <laughs> it, it sounds better than, yeah, it, it goes well. It just, it works, it works. <laughs> um, and we get there and we sit down, and it's really lovely. And someone comes to take our order and asks us what we need. And then before they disappear, they put this bread basket in the middle of the table. And that's when I get excited. When I see that, I understand one thing. There's a lot I don't understand, but there's one thing I know. See, I don't know where the kitchen is. I don't know who the chef is. I don't know the recipe. I don't know where the ingredients came from. I don't even know how long it's going to take for the food to arrive at my table. The thing I know is that if I stay with that bread basket, good things will come my way. If I just stay there and don't do anything silly, good things will come my way. Now friends, Jesus is the bread of life. And while we stay close to him, good things happen. While we stay close in the scriptures, reading about his sovereignty and about our adoption, while we stay close to him in our worship, while we stay close to him while gathering with other godly friends, while we meet together like this and stay close to him is when we'll see good things. We can have hope because God is sovereign, he can do anything. We can have hope because we are his adopted children. We have access to all that he is. We can have hope because while they were there, the time came and the baby was born. Would you like to stand, let's pray.